Get on Team Shaq with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, and laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight bet or parlay. That's $200 that you can use for all the upcoming basketball action, including the men's basketball tournament. If you bet at least $500 during the first and second round of the tournament, you can get a trip to the five-star rated Win Las Vegas. Offer subject to change, terms, and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough Winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 42 of the That's So Mets podcast. I'm your host, Connor Rogers. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Joe DeMeo. And while Joe and I are sitting here uh, healthy, ready to go, the Mets are fighting to put a team on the field. It really is insane that, you know, this wave of injuries. And what's really even more bizarre in all of this is that the Mets are currently in first place in a division that was regarded or expected to be and it can get there, but it hasn't yet. One of the toughest in baseball. So despite all of that, and as we sit here on this Tuesday afternoon and the Mets announce a lineup that looks like a spring training lineup, Joe and I were laughing before we went on the air, they have a chance to you know, continue to build a lead in this division. So we're going to talk a lot today about what reinforcements can arrive, how can they tread water until those reinforcements arrive off of the IL and through rehab assignments. We're going to have our three stars of the week because the last time we did a show was right before the series, the two-game stretch against the Orioles had begun. So some good for the Mets in the last week, and also they got swept in the middle of this as well down in Tampa. And as always, we're going to answer your questions to close things out. So, Joe, God, I hope you're doing better than the Mets right now. I can't be doing much worse, at least health wise. You know, all in all, they're they're staying together and like, you know, they're in first place. So we can't lose our mind. But when you have a list, Noah Syndergaard, Jose Martinez, Seth Lugo, Carlos Carrasco, Dellen Batanzas, Luis Guillerme, J.D. Davis, Brandon Nimmo, Jacob DeGrom, Albert Almora, Michael Conforto, Jeff McNeil, Kevin Pillar, and probably Taiwan Walker. That is an absurd amount of people that are currently on the IL or going to likely be on the IL in Walker's case. That's 14 guys out of, you know, 26 that if Martinez didn't get hurt, hurt in spring training, he may have made the opening day 26-man roster. That's crazy. And, you know, somehow they're finding a way to stay afloat, which is a credit to, you know, the other players and the bench mob, as they like to call themselves. But man, it's going to be hella tough to really keep this up as, you know, other teams are just simply way healthier and the Mets are have no choice but to put out essentially a triple-A lineup or at least half of the lineup is a triple-A lineup. And when you look at it, they're coming back from American League games when this really got taken to the next level. And I know Rojas alluded to this. The National League game is just so much different in terms of the bats you need off the bench. The Mets are a rare team that, in a sense, even though they're in the National League, they do kind of operate like they have a DH. When the Mets go play in the American League, when they are fully healthy, it's actually something to be excited about because there are good players on the bench that should be in the lineup. And those players now have been put in spots where – they are starters every day and now a lot of those players are also hurt so when you look at it it's been crazy because this is a situation where you look at somebody like McNeil or JD Davis and in this case both of them are out that traditionally is a really good opportunity for a guy like Luis Guillorme that you and I were particularly excited about in the spring and it's also a good opportunity for a guy like Jonathan VR and it has been knock on wood that he stays healthy and he's done a a pretty good job he's been better in the field than I expected that's the one notable thing with VR and he's had some clutch moments but it really is crazy how the bench has been ravaged in in terms of obviously losing Pilar now and we'll see how long he's on the IL and talk about a tough guy getting up getting hit in the nose getting hit in the face by 95 mile per hour fastball and essentially jogging right into the dugout 
It's insane. Almora, uh, that collision into the wall. I mean, they've had some pretty jarring injuries overall. And, and then you have ones that are, I don't want to say the unavoidable, but things that they just happen with Conforto and McNeil with strained hamstrings. In a, you know, it was a little discouraging when you hear McNeil say that he wasn't hydrated. I think that in this day and age, I understand when you're a pro athlete and you're in tough conditions at times, that can happen. But, man, you just got to be on top of those things. And with Conforto, he was legging it out. Conforto is a pretty muscular guy, especially in the lower half where those injuries naturally to those players – they just happen in baseball. It's unavoidable in that sense. So the Mets are completely hit uh, by the injury bug. And it's, you know, it's been one thing after the other. Hopefully DeGrom is, is back against Miami. J.D. Davis has started to rehab assignment. So hopefully he can really expedite through that and be a part of the series in Miami. Because if you get J.D. back to play third, you can play VR at second. You have Lindor at short and Pete at first you actually have an infield again. The outfield, that's kind of where I want to take this right now, Joe, why we why we dissect this. There right now, as it stands on paper, just aren't really reinforcements for the outfield. They're down Conforto, they're down Almora, and they're down Pilar. Now this outfield was essentially con- and Nimmo. God, I forgot Nimmo. He's been he's been out a while. This outfield was constructed in a sense where you look at it. And think, all right, we're going to have to play Dom in left field a lot. Nimmo's going to play center. Conforto's going to play right. And Pilar is always going to be that dude off the bench that can absolutely start. And Almora is a, is a glove first kind of outfielder for this bench. It's crazy that they are now down Nimmo, Conforto, and Pilar, where they have guys like Khalil Lee, who really this was supposed to be a building year for him back in the minor league system. He, he's a prospect for the Mets and one that they acquired this year, but still a young guy that is figuring out his approach at the plate. He's got speed. He's got, he's got a good glove. He's got a good arm, but he's absolutely somebody that at 22 years old, I, you know, I, even though he was a third round pick, he's still figuring it out at the plate. He's not expected to be in the major leagues right now, not expected to be starting in the major leagues. So what is, number one, you might not even have an answer because, quite frankly, I don't think the Mets have an answer right now. But what do they do with this outfield? Because realistically speaking, Nimmo, nobody knows truly what's going on with the finger. We just saw Pilar get hit in the face. He goes to the IL today. He's going to need time. He's a tough guy, but he's going to need time. And Conforto, you can't rush hamstrings. And Almora, we, you know, another question mark, but you also don't even want him playing every day anyway. That is just a remarkable amount of injuries in the outfield. What is the solution to tread water right now? Uh, <laughs> it's a really good question. That's tough to answer. I mean, you'll see... A lot of Janeshwi Fargus. You'll see a lot of Khalil Lee, some Jake Hager out there. It's crazy. It's it's names that you wouldn't expect to be seeing in a major league starting lineup. And, you know, maybe it's something that they'll have to scour the waiver wire or scour other teams' triple A's and just look just look for guys that have played major league baseball. Like that's basically the standard. Like, do you have someone that's actually played here? Because the Mets are going to be playing a bunch of guys that essentially have not. Jake Hager made his big league debut in the Tampa series. Fargus made, I believe, his big league debut yesterday or a day before. And, you know, Khalil Lee obviously just made his big league debut as well. So you're talking about guys that just haven't done it. So they're going to have to search around and find somebody that's just capable of being a major league player while they kind of tread water a bit until some of these guys get back. We have no idea where Nimmo's at. You know, he started a rehab assignment, then he felt something again. So now he's taking a break until he feels pain-free. Then he'll go back on rehab. Almora, no word on rehab yet. Uh, Pilar, like you said, as tough as he is, and holy hell is he tough. Uh, he's, you can't expect him back any, you know, within the next couple weeks. So they're going to really have to be stretching here. And I think they're going to have to figure out a way to go outside the organization to do something here. Uh, Fortunately on the pitching side, it looks like there is some progression. Uh, Seth Lugo is making his first rehab appearance tonight for Port St. Lucie. 
And tomorrow, Noah Syndergaard will be making his first rehab appearance. What would you have said if I told you on opening day that Noah Syndergaard would have a rehab appearance before Carlos Carrasco? Man, uh, not great, but at the same time, still good that everything has been smooth sailing with Noah so far. I think that is something to genuinely be excited about, that Noah Syndergaard will be back on a mound. He is, you know, obviously a force in terms of the kind of build and kind of work ethic he has that I'm not surprised. Now, they, the Mets, we've talked about this before, Joe, they're they're not a team that's going to rush an injury and a procedure like the one Syndergaard went through. So it's not that he's made this ridiculous, super fast recovery, but it's nice that things have been on track. It sounds like the velocity is there and just getting him back on a mound and in real game situations is vital. Now, with Carrasco, you know, it's a significant injury. I mean, when he did that, I it would have surprised me if he just had real. you know, he's an older pitcher that that's a significant injury where, you know, if you can get him back for now, you obviously want him back sooner than this, especially with what they're dealing with. But if you just make sure he's good and right for the all-star break and beyond. And once again, I know he'll be back before that, but for that stretch run, the Mets are holding the fort right now. Like even though, and I know Mets Twitter has been crazy. I know I, I've definitely been, you know, overly react, overreacting and overly emotional to some of these games. For all of the problems they have had that, for the most part, are just out of their control. Now, star players need to hit better, and I'll get into that in a second uh, to answer the hold the fort question. But right now, they're they're keeping their head above water. They really are. Where if you get Carrasco and Syndergaard back, and those guys are are clicking, and Degrom's okay. Peterson, nice rebound start. We'll see where that goes. Strowman's, you know, Strowman's somebody that honestly I know it wasn't great in Tampa, but you could rely on Strowman in a number three role. And, and then Taiwan, you want Taiwan, you always want to be very, uh, you know, closely watching his health because he's somebody that's had an injury history and whatever you can get out of him, great. But he's been so good for this team, such a big piece of of the start that they've had that. Man, I it just came out right now. You know, I know you started saying that, hey, he might be going to the IL. They, they said the MRI is clean and that Rojas says he feels great. I wouldn't rush him back in. I'd like to see him get right because he's been so vital. But, man, it's, um, you know, the pitching is not really what worries me. I do worry about taxing the bullpen, but Lugo is coming back. They have – they're pretty deep with the starting rotation, and the pitching somehow has been good, and we'll get into it in a little bit, but they stole a win in game one against Atlanta, when your starter has to come out after three innings, man, those games are really, really hard to win, and they stole a win. So the pitching's not what worries me. The bullpen's not what worries me. But at some point, you need major league hitters in your five, six, and seven spots. You'd still like one in the eighth spot. And I just don't think the Mets have that right now. They don't. I mean, the right now the cupboard is, the cupboard's bare. They've taken essentially what they can. You know, Brandon Drury could get called up if you'd like. A guy like Drew Ferguson could get called up. But, yeah, they've basically exhausted the options that really matter, you know, for right now at least in AAA Syracuse. So if if it doesn't work out or if they have one more deal, they're going to have to go outside the organization and find someone, whether that's a waiver claim or uh, just, like I said, going to some team with some veteran in AAA that doesn't have a path forward for them and he could just play for the Mets for a couple of weeks, then you trade cash or something like that for him. That's essentially what they're going to have to do. But hopefully Taiwan Walker gets back quick on the pitching side. And DeGrom seems like he's doing okay. He might have to make a rehab start, Louis Rojas said. So we'll see if that ends up being the case. Because, although I mean, you can only really do a bullpen game once every turn twice stops and they might have to do what two or three of them because they're you know they don't really have many guys to turn to uh thomas zapucky is a guy a prospect that maybe you could see him come up and be a part of the factor and then of course jordan yamamoto who was here briefly he can potentially come back up but a guy like joey lucchese who is let's be honest been very bad 
simply has to pitch better. He's getting opportunity. I don't know. You can't put him out there. Yeah. He re- I know they'd have no choice, but yeah. I don't know how you continue to put him out well, there in those he, spots. He'll he'll be out there tonight. I mean, Miguel Castro's Miguel Castro's right. the opener. <laughs> Sean Reed Foley threw, you know, his innings last night, three, four innings. And, you know, at this point, Lucchese is probably your long guy. So I expect I expect he'll pitch at some point tonight, but Robert Gazelman better be ready to go. Man, it's it's tough. I mean, there's really no way around it, of course. It's a tough situation. And what I'll say is, you know, this happens in sports. Good teams are always going to face some kind of adversity in a time where their stars or their usual lineup or team is just not there. And now this is a unique situation, right, with the Mets that they have been hit with a crazy amount of injuries. And it doesn't feel like typical like the Mets always had like really awful injuries that you can kind of look at the training staff and go what are you doing don't get me wrong like all teams they've had a few of those this year but a lot of these are like crazy things right like obviously Almora running into the wall Pilar getting hit in the face by a 95 mile per hour fastball I think with Jake he throws with so much torque that these things can happen I think with Walker it looked like the same thing I know he's been saying it's a side that just happens with pitchers but at the end of the day, you just you can't control it. Um, you know, Nimmo and JD, I think we're both dealing with hand related injuries before. So and maybe it's just me. I, I actually would like your take on this show. And I have not looked at any numbers. and I'm sure somebody can. I feel like the Mets get hit by an unusual amount of pitches, like in un, and in bad ways, like wrist, hand, head. I like what it just doesn't feel like. The, oh, the Mets like got hit in the back of the thigh. Or in the back. It's just like drastic. And, you know, it was actually really, I felt really bad uh, for Webb on the Braves. Because he he was, you know, clearly upset. And that's something that can scar a guy. And just watching him in the dugout, you feel bad. But I agree with Ronnie that the game has reached a point where you have so many, uh, you have bullpens full of them, of these guys that throw 95 to 101 miles an hour, and they truthfully have no control of the baseball. And even Newcomb came in. I, I said it, when as soon as Newcomb came in, I said, I understand the Braves, you know, are in a, a difficult situation here, but that's the guy you bring in after the other guy just hit somebody square in the face. And of course, Newcomb, a couple of times, lost control of pitches and brushed him inside way too much. I just think it's I it was very interesting to hear Ronnie, a guy that's done it at the highest level, a World Series champion, you know, a, a head of the rotation kind of starter, a guy who was a number two or three pitcher, sit there and just he was angry, honestly. And he's not mad at Webb particular. He's mad at the situation of baseball that you have these guys on the mound that just truly have no control. And this is not this is not, I mean, we're sitting here in the middle of May. This is not new if you're a Mets fan watching this. You saw it with Alvarado, another guy that goes out there and literally has no idea where the ball's going. And I know you and I joke about this with the Mets with Familia at times, but like Familia's not out there like hit, like putting guys in dangerous spots. Familia's balls just sink into the ground a lot. And, and when a Met does it, I'll be the first to say that guy should not be in the, on the mound because it's not good for the game. I just, with baseball right now, it happens. It's part of the sport. It's a dangerous part. Any sport, anybody, you know, because I know the reaction will be, it's just part of the game. I totally get it. It's a part of playing any sport. But at the end of the day, it is. it was interesting to hear Ronnie, how pissed he was to watch that. Because it just, in my opinion, it does feel more frequent in today's game. I'll tell you this. There's a reason that they're testing out an independent ball moving the mound back. Let's just put it that way. There's a reason they're testing that out. It's an MLB idea. We'll see kind of how that goes. I honestly don't even know if independent baseball has started yet, <laughs> but whenever it does, the mound is further back. So that's going to give more reaction time and, you know, mm-hmm. maybe le- help out for, you know, level the playing field as far as hitting versus pitching. We'll see how it really shakes out. But if MLB start in something like that, they have visions of that eventually making its way up the ladder. Obviously, that would take time and, you know, they'd have to they'd have to run it for a bit in independent ball, make sure it's successful. And then after that, they'd have to move it to the minor leagues, make sure it's successful. And then 
at that point, it could be something that could be moved to the majors. But yeah, it's a tough time, man. You know, walking guys being wild is part of the deal in a sense, almost, you know, it's about velocity. It's kind of like on the other side with hitting hitters. You're, we want guys that hit home runs. We want OPS. We want doubles. We want homers. We don't care if you strike out. Pitching, Nobody makes contact. Pit, yeah. Pitching. It's like, don't care necessarily where you throw it, but we want you to throw it hard. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's become a, a power game on both sides of the ball, power pitching and power hitting. It's what the game is evolving to. You know, there'll always be a place for the occasional, you know, control pitcher. And there's always going to be a place for the occasional contact hitter. But it's the game is going to be moving and, you know, we could maybe not love it. But the reality is reality. The game's moving in a direction where it's like they want, you know, more predictive outcomes, even if that means some of them are not great. So it's going to be an interesting thing to follow how they really handle it going forward. But, yeah, it's. It's definitely a, a tough thing to see what happened to Pilar, and it's happening to other players as well. I mean, Bryce Harper got hit in the face too. Yes. So, yes. I mean, you know, we don't want to completely overreact to, you know, those two specific instances, but it's it's definitely a problem. I don't have the stats, like you said. I'm sure one of our followers can can look it up because we just thought of this on the fly. Otherwise, we would have uh, came with that stat ourselves. But it definitely feels like people are getting hit at a higher rate and in seemingly more dangerous spots. And I don't think pitchers are doing it intentionally. I just think, like you said, guys get on the mound and don't necessarily know where the baseball is going. And dude, if you're throwing 95, 100 miles an hour, the amount of time you have to react is basically nothing from 60 feet away. So it's it's really a tough spot. And, where I do think you're going to see a change in baseball at some point in time. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. We we didn't even plan to talk about that. It was just something that, you know, naturally came about. And it's it is interesting to watch where this game has gone and you know, I you and I love baseball. It's why we do this show, but it it is a different game right now. It it truly truly is. And um, you know, before we get into the stars of the week, the last thing I wanted to say was in the midst of all of this turmoil of who the hell is going to play for the Mets <laughs> during this time, you know, it's you look at the lineup, everybody's, you know, we make our jokes, we laugh. You see Castro batting eighth, I'm sure. We'll assume that he's not going to get in that bat, but I just think that would be hilarious. But on a real discussion, this is a time where, and a lot of them have not played up to their standards this year so far where guys like Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso and Dom Smith kind of need to carry the team. I, I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. If, you you know, you look at those guys, if they, for the next week, two of them get on a tear, a couple home runs, a couple key hits, make things happen, sure, you're not going to be winning games with this lineup 10 to, two, 10 to 3 or, you know, 11 to 8 or anything like that. But can you get four or five runs and give yourselves a shot? And, you know, two run home run here, two run home run there, small ball for another run. Can you get five runs across the board? This is the time where those guys who have neither of the three have really gotten hot yet so far uh, need to turn things around. So we'll get to the three stars. But, yeah, that was just that's just something that I look at is, you know, every time the Mets have lost this year, for the most part, they've gotten blown out at times. But a lot of their losses have been, man, wouldn't really care that. Trevor May gave up one run there for a guy that's had a really good year so far because if you just scored four runs, you would win the game instead of expecting every single pitcher to be perfect all the time. So that's just something that I think a lot of people lose sight of or maybe not people because I know the fans are all over it, but maybe the narrative amongst the media and the team that really matters to me the most right now. Yeah, ultimately pitching and and bullpen is just – it's tough. I mean, these guys come in, they're going to give up runs at some point in time. And they really haven't. And and, they, and all in all, they have one of the best bullpens in baseball, statistically. And they're missing arguably their best or one of their best in Seth Lugo. So they're doing more than the work that, you know, they were expected to do. I mean, we talked about it on this podcast that they'll just have to tread water in the bullpen and just try to make it work until Lugo comes back. And they've had no issue doing so. But bullpen, it, it's an it's a very unforgiving job. If you 
throw a perfect inning, it's what you're expected to do. If you give up a run, you stink. You're the like, worst. Yeah, that's just that's the nature of the beast, and especially in New York. I mean, you know, uh, my buddy, our buddy KFC over at Barstool tweeted me because obviously I'm the Edwin Diaz guy. I was sleeping. I didn't even see Diaz pitch last night. I can't. I, I couldn't stay. <laughs> I, res- I yeah. really respect your yeah. honesty. I was passed out. I couldn't. I couldn't stay awake. I I saw May give up the home run. That's the last thing I remember. But uh, I wasn't even awake. And he tweeted me that he was, you know, nervous about Diaz. And he said, you know, tell me I'm wrong to me. And I said, well, uh, based on the box score, it seems like he got out of it pretty easy. Only nine pitches and got the save. And one person goes walking walking a guy on four pitches is inexcusable and i'm like ultimately the guy got the job done yeah it wasn't perfect but it's it's crazy how fans you know it wasn't necessarily about ds specifically but like it's crazy how fans how they look at bullpens is the expectation of perfect it's perfection or you stink there's no in between like that's just that's the way a lot of fans look at it and i don't look at it that way and obviously you don't either but you know trevor may like you said he's been fantastic gave up a home run last night it's gonna happen it's the way it is they still won the game and uh sometimes we i do see some fans i would think when i wake up the next day that the mets lost like if i didn't watch that game at all woke up today and looked at my twitter timeline i would think the mets lost that game last night because you know a lot of fans like to pick pick holes and find the negative out of things and not really my cup of tea, but uh, you know, the, the bullpen has been good and hopefully in the next couple of weeks here, they'll get back another huge piece in Lugo. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you've got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Start hiring right now with $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and condition apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, the Mets did acquire an outfielder while we were doing the show. For cash considerations, um, they have acquired Cameron Mabin, who is playing in AAA for the Cubs. So, don't really know <laughs> how much of a difference that makes at the end of the day. I can't believe he's 34, by the way. I, s- I said this. They just need a human being that plays the outfield that has been a major league player before. Cameron, yeah, you're Cam- right. Cameron Mabin fits the bill. and. He could come and they could, I don't know, DFA Wilfredo Tovar, who they just called up and, uh, you know, send him back on his way. He'll probably, he would, I would imagine, clear waivers and go back to AAA. But yeah, a guy like Cameron Maven fits the bill. I mean, he's not, he's probably not going to give you really much of anything, but he's a major league player. And that's ultimately what they need at this point in time. It's really bizarre. He, in 2019, he was actually like good for the Yankees as a role player. Hit 285, hit 11 home runs, you know, 82 games. Once again, no expectations here. The Mets need a body, so they get Cameron Maven. We don't have to spend a ton of time on that. Hopefully next week, all we talk about is Cameron Maven. So three stars of the week. I'll start with number three here for me, Joe. Uh, it's my guy, Sean Reed Foley. Man, I know it was only one game technically of this week, but Sean Reed Foley quietly has been just getting the job done essentially for the Mets when called upon it I you know it's kind of interesting I know you and I had a conversation at some point on the show not off the air how we're talking about bullpen pieces when things were getting kind of scary right early in the season it was like oh Patanzas is done we we didn't think Selman had anything we're just looking for back-end guys I'm like man why aren't they giving Reed Foley a look and you're like well you might just have you know they would know more 
uh, get him to the alternate side, and you know maybe he'll come up eventually. Still a young guy, he's 25 years old, but he's you know only a couple appearances for the Mets this year, but three innings against the Braves in a game that they stole from them, three scoreless innings. Actually, let me rephrase that: three hitless innings. Reed Foley had so three perfect innings, five strikeouts. Stuff looks good. Location is great. He's an absolute character on the mound. Uh, love the mustache. So I think when you look at it with Reed Foley, you know, he didn't do a ton to be the number three star, but man, that was a big moment, those three scoreless innings. And that's a game you could look back on because it's going to be tough for the Mets to grab one of these next two against the Braves. Uh, that was a really, really big win, and he was right in the middle of it. Sean Reed Foley has been ex- nothing short of excellent. I mean, like you obviously said his stat line, but he also had a 49% whiff rate, which is crazy. That's a crazy swing and miss rate. So he's showing swing and miss stuff. He's showing the uh, the ability to vertically have his fastball elevate in a sense, which makes it harder to make contact with despite, you know, his velocity is fine. It's not, you know, he's not overwhelming, but when the ball rises, it, it makes it, you know, almost feel faster to the hitter. So Reed Foley's been excellent and, you know, I don't know if they look at him as, you know, a starter. I think they kind of look at him as that bulk inning reliever, kind of like he, you know, the role that he filled last night. You know, I think if you wanted to start him, you'd have to send him back to AAA and have him, you know, stretch out and really get ready to throw six innings or whatever the case may be. I mean, he was a starter early in his career. Uh, he'd been moved to the bullpen more recently, but he's been fantastic for the Mets and he absolutely deserves to be on your three stars of the week, even though it was only one appearance, it was huge. I mean, if it, if it wasn't for Sean Reed Foley's performance, the Mets very well don't win last night's game. My third, totally my third, I'm going to go with Tomas Nito. um, Who's been nothing short of fantastic behind the plate. I mean, he's in the 98th percentile as a framer. So he's an elite pitch framer and he's been hitting the ball. He had three hits last night. You know, it's getting to the point where, you know, I'm very happy with James McCann, the the game caller, very happy with James McCann, the arm and, you know, blocking balls. He's doing everything right. But the guy has two, two extra base hits on the year. I mean, he has simply not hit at all. It's going to be a point in time where you have to have the conversation that, yes, McCann makes a lot of money, not saying bench him for Nito. But it might get closer to more of a split than a Nito only plays when McCann gets a day off because Nito's hitting and is every bit as good of a defensive catcher as McCann is. Yeah, I like that call. And I'll be curious. I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, Syndergaard, and now none of the pitchers have a problem with McCann. This is a Wilson Ramos issue, but Syndergaard really liked throwing to Nito. And so did DeGrom. And so did DeGrom. So I wonder if, yeah, and they love McCann. McCann's on a it's actually can't be said enough. And I think his shortcomings at the plate have understandably overshadowed what he's done uh, behind the plate because he has just been tremendous for this pitching staff and tremendous behind the plate and has a great arm. But like you said, he's been almost worse than an automatic out in the lineup. He's been an automatic double play in a lot of key situations. So, and you know, it doesn't always have to be McCann being the problem. Nito has shown, Signs of life in recent history at the plate. So I, I like that call a lot. I hope Nito can kind of be the Guillaume uh, at the catching position where it's like, okay, he's the bat is coming around as a contact bat, and we know he's a very good defender. That's the kind of guys that you love to not – they're not going to be everyday players, but can you get them out there once or twice a week or have them come in and, and hold the fort? So number two for me – Man, it was, I'm not going to lie, Joe, it was tough picking three stars this week. It's not that the Mets had an abysmal week. It's just that everybody's hurt, and they're kind of piecing together these games. Number two for me is more of a, it's kind, the light's quietly coming on, and I think he's due for a really, really big week. It's Dom Smith for me. He was 6 for 17 over the last week and had three walks. So Dom is getting on base almost half the time in the last week, and I think when you look at it, he's just too good of a hitter to continue to struggle the way he was. So Dom didn't necessarily have any mega hits, any huge home runs or anything like that, but he's quietly having better at-bats, getting on base, taking his walks a little bit. And quite frankly, 
the Mets need him to get hot because he's one of the only true run-producing bats they have left in this lineup. Dom Smith, absolutely, positively, you mentioned it a few minutes ago, needs to step up in a big way. I think Pete Alonso has been relatively consistent this year, and you know he's not wowing you, but it doesn't feel like Pete has been lost for any stretch of time. Feels like he's just you know been kind of solid all the way through. Lindor obviously has was really bad, had a hot few games, and now is back to struggling again. So that he has to figure his stuff out. But to me, I agree with you as far as Dom. He's starting to hit the ball harder, go up the middle. Uh, he start. He looks like he's starting to figure it out. If he's able to really step up and be the Dom Smith that we know for the next week or two. I think that'll make a drastic difference in the Mets' ability to tread water, as we're trying to say, uh, through the next couple weeks. My number two, I'm going to go, like you said, it's it's, it's hard to pick uh, three, but I'm going Jonathan VR. Uh, he's been a steady presence. Like you said, he's improved. He's looked good in the field to me. I don't know what his OAA is or DRS, you know, those things, but to the eye, he looks fine out there. I mean, he's not wowing me, but... He's making the plays he has to make uh, other than the pop, the pop up on Mother's Day. Drop that, <laughs> drop that one. But other than that, he's been, you know, perfectly good in the field. He had the home run in the Tampa series. So I'm going VR for being a steady veteran that, you know, seems, you know, rock solid, like a guy that they acquired. He's, you know, can run. Obviously, he showed in the Baltimore series, the, you know, the smarts on the base path so he's he's a guy that you know makes my list because let's be honest there wasn't a ton of options (laughs) yeah and i'm gonna go number one here somebody that we've only seen once in the last week and he sits at the number one spot and that's david peterson his best start of the year really really should have gotten a win and you know david peterson's a young pitcher and mets fans are kind of spoiled with pitching right now where quite often you get to see Jacob deGrom on the mound and then Marcus Stroman and Taiwan Walker's been tremendous this year. The bullpen's been really good. Noah Syndergaard and Carlos Carrasco are on the way. And I think at times, I know I'm guilty of it, it's easy to become frustrated with the 25-year-old's ups and downs in his first full year in the major leagues. And Peterson certainly has had those to start this year. But you can see why this guy was a first-round pick. And will he ever be an ace? I don't think so. Will he ever be a number two starter? I don't even think that. But can he be a middle-of-the-rotation, back-end-of-the-rotation, reliable arm? Absolutely. So for him, you know, it was a very frustrating game that they let get away against Tampa that they lost 3-2 to two after Peterson takes it into the eighth inning. He only gives up two earned runs, strikes out nine. He really was in control. So it's good to see him have that kind of bounce back start a week after he had been bounced in the second inning. And we've kind of seen that with Peterson this year, right? You know, a short start to open things up, gives up six runs, then six innings of one run ball. Short start, gives up three earned runs, but six total, then six innings of two run ball five innings of one run ball. And then, like I said, the week before this start only made it to the second inning, but then bounces back. That's how it's going to go with the young starter. Sometimes not everybody comes in and just lights the league on fire. And this is a guy working through some things, figuring it out. That was a big time, big time start. And in a week where I know they lost the game, but in a week when you have Jacob DeGrom on the IL for your 25 year old traditionally, or, or typically written in as the fifth starter at best on this rotation, when everything's right. And, Hopefully he does get that that way very soon with Carrasco and Syndergaard. Uh, that was big time from David Peterson. I love me some David Peterson. You know, I've hyped him up big on this show, but the reality is at this point in time in his career, you don't know what you're going to get every time he goes out. Like you're going to get those two inning stinkers and then you're going to have where, you know, what when they put him out in the eighth inning, I thought, you know, Rojas did the right thing. There shouldn't have been any hesitation to put him out there. He was rolling. He retired 17 in a row. I believe. And yes, yeah, Peterson has been what I expect. I think he's ultimately long-term and number four type of starter that can give you innings, you know, when he's on, 
He just needs to be more consistent with his location. And I was worried at the beginning of the Tampa game because in the second inning, couldn't throw strikes, loaded the bases and worked his way out of it. And then it was smooth sailing from there. So he's just got to get some consistency going, keep working with Jeremy Hefner and Jeremy Accardo and the catchers and just get some consistency because, you know, he's important here, you know, with the injuries to Carrasco and Syndergaard and DeGrom and, you know, hopefully Taiwan Walker is, you know, not missing much time, if any. So they need Peterson and he stepped up in a good way in the Tampa game. Of course, like you said, they didn't win the game. That happens, but he pitched well. So he definitely deserves to be on this list. And my number one, man, how how can we not put Patrick Mazika on our top three? I mean, guy has two walk-offs. He hit a home run. And when I watch him swing, I don't know how he hit a home run in the major leagues, but no offense to uh, our guy Mazika for there. But, you know, he's, to me, the number one star of the week. He really became a bit of a cult hero here. And ripping the shirt off, all the fun stuff. Patrick Mazika is my number one star. I love it, man. It's He really is a fun player. And, it, you know, we always laugh about his swing and how he had all these walk-off RBIs without even having a hit. And then his first hit is just a bomb. So, Mazika, man, it's you know what it is with him that when you get past all the jokes, and that truly is my favorite part and pretty much all that matters, is that he has hung in there at bats, right? The Mets, it drives me nuts, and it's not just the Mets, it's the league. So many times when all you need to do is make contact to get a runner home from third or advance runners, they strike out all the time. It's not just the Mets, it's baseball. It's the way the league's gone. Teams cannot move runners across in not even sacrifice situations. I'm talking about, can you just get a sack fly, right? And Mazika, to his credit, has had a good eye at the plate and makes contact. And when you make contact, things can happen. There's a chance. There's a chance. And it's just, it's good to see that amongst the fact that he is just a hilarious person to be the folk hero of this team. All right, let's get to the questions. This first one from our friend of the show, Ron Pope. Are there players that might be on the market you guys think the team should try to get to fill in the gaps? So obviously in the middle of the show, the team did acquire Cameron Maben, who, like Joe said, they just need somebody that's a major leaguer. Maben's been in the league for a long, long time. I think he's been in the league for 14 years now and played for 10 different teams. So you're getting somebody that can actually play in the outfield, uh, hopefully have some major league at-bats. But Joe, you think there's anybody else that they can you know, try to take a swing on here uh, or, or any specific position you're looking at that you think they have to? Yeah, I mean, good question from our buddy Ron Pope there. Fantastic musician, if you haven't heard him. So check out Ron Pope's music. We're going to have to have him on the most famous listener of that. The most famous listener of that. So Mets, no question about it. But yeah, I've talked talked to Ron a bit. We're going to have him on the show. It's it's actually impressive his level of Mets knowledge. But as far as the market, I was going to say, you know, a guy like Cameron Maben would make a ton of sense. But, you know, the, the Mets went ahead and did that. But yeah, you're really looking at guys of that ilk. So. I would say go on like MILB.com and look across AAA rosters and try to find someone very similar to Cameron Maben. And those are the kind of people that are available at this point in time. I mean, when when we get a little further along here, late June, early July, if you really need things, that's when the, the real trade market could open. And a guy like a Joey Gallo could be available. Uh, Chris Bryant could be available, obviously, for a big name. So I think we're a bit ways away from getting a real impactful player that can be available via trade. For now, it's just scouring people's AAA and taking what you can from them. Joe, here's a question for you from me, not from the listeners. Why do teams help out other teams? Do they do it for the player, for a guy like Mabin that's buried in AAA and has been on the taxi squad? That do they? Yeah, they do it to yeah. him. Just yeah. give him a situation where he can play. Yeah, they're not doing it for the Mets. I mean, they're not that nice. But that's know, why I don't get yeah, it, though. They, like, they the respect, Mets are a threat to the Cubs. Let's be real. Yeah, they respect Cameron Maben as a professional, and you know, it's one of those things that's like, do we envision us using this guy? No. Well, the Mets could really use him, and they'll utilize him now. Let's respect, you know, the longtime vet. Like, you won't see them trade for some young player in someone's AAA that, you know, has some upside and trade away for cash. But 
someone like Maven, who obviously has performed poorly this year for their AAA, and they don't have visions of him cracking the club at any point, do the vet a solid, give him an opportunity. Um, it just, honestly, what it does is it sets a good reputation for your organization, for agents, because, you know, a lot of agents would go, you know, whoever Cameron Maven's agent is, he's now going to know, well, if I have another veteran that isn't, you know, can't get a major league deal, the Cubs are an organization that I can send him to and he could go to their AAA. And if they're not able to call him up and there's an opportunity elsewhere, they'll do good by my client. So I think it's mm. it's for agent relationship building and just being respectful of veterans. Uh, ultimately, Cameron Maben ain't going to be the difference between the Mets and the Cubs game at any point this year, I imagine. All right, this one, this next one is from Daniel Weber because it kind of relates to that question and conversation. He has a specific name here. He says, with no end in sight with the IL, would someone like Gregory Polanco be worth a try? The contract isn't pretty, which means the price would be small. Maybe we swap bad contracts. He has a $3 million buyout after this year and screams change of scenery type of guy. I, I just don't think Gregory Polanco is particularly good, and I don't need to take on their money just for the sake of taking on their money. And Mets don't really have much money to trade back. I mean, Batances isn't big money and he's injured, so you can't really trade him away. Uh Familia is not a dump anymore at this point. He's been he's been a factor here. So it's a piece of the bullpen. <laughs> yeah. So to me, I pass on Polanco. He's a pricey guy like like Daniel said. Uh but he I just don't think he's particularly good at this point. So I'd be I'd be more interested in finding these band-aids, the Cameron Mavens of the world, to just try to tread water for a couple weeks, hopefully get Conforto and Nemo and get these guys back and play with my real players. I don't need to commit to someone like Polanco for that type of money at this point. Yeah, I'm with you there. The reality of the situation is, while this is a dire situation and and not fun, uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel here. I mean, Conforto, it's not like Conforto you know, Torres Achilles and, you know, Pilar could legitimately be back this year, even as scary as that looked. Almora, same thing. And Nimmo is dealing with a finger injury. Now, if there's a nerve there or something going on that we don't know about, that's obviously a little bit more concerning. But the reality of the situation is Nimmo should also be playing baseball uh, early this summer for the team as well. So I'm with you that Polanco doesn't make a lot of sense, I guess, because they should actually have all these guys coming back somewhat soon. It's just the fact is it's ironic that all of them are on these weird short IL stints at the same exact time that you just don't have players to play. And that's why you get a guy like Maven that when things do get somewhat normal again, he's going to go back to AAA. All right, the last question of today's show is from Johnny. What do you guys make of this 40-man roster maneuvering that the Mets have been forced to do? I'm curious how they will go about clearing the spots when Noah Carrasco and Lugo come off the 60-day IL. They've been put in a real tough spot because all these guys getting injured, they put them on 60-day IL to try to make space. But, I mean, you're going to be able to DFA some guys. I mean, Wilfredo Tovar will be gone off the off the 40. There's a reasonable chance they'll DFA Janeshwi Fargus at some point, Jake Hager. Uh, even Jose Peraza, potentially, if they're fully healthy, could be an option to be DFA'd. So they have some guys that they can DFA, but yeah, it's definitely going to get tricky the more these injuries continue to pile up. Hopefully the baseball gods can do them a favor and just stop. Like, I think we've had enough. Give us a break. Let us uh, let us get healthy because it, it'll definitely be a complicated 40-man roster situation if you continue to have to add guys like Cameron Maben and etc yeah it's just i mean just stay alive right now right hopefully khalil lee uh surprises up hopefully fargus surprises us I, at some point you just gotta you know hope for the best and and once again you can't say it enough the guys batting one through four you know and it's crazy to say this on vr who wasn't even expected to be a starter for this team but he's right in that the guys that are, are batting one through four just got to make things happen, and you got to hope the pitching has been as good as it has been, which is ridiculous expectations. But it's the reality of the situation. Episode 42, Joe, closing thoughts for the first place New York Mets. Uh, yeah, just want to thank everyone for listening, and I've noticed some more uh, reviews coming through, so really appreciate that. So if you can, you know, get on Apple Podcasts, 
get wherever you get podcasts, rate us five stars, leave us reviews. We're going to get back to reading reviews of the week. It's been a, a few weeks since we've done that. So, you know, bring those on uh, really could use them. It, it helps the show a ton. And, you know, little shameless plug on Thursday. Please. It just came. I'm just, excited for this. Just came out uh, today. Obviously, have known about it for a little bit. But thir- this Thursday on SNY.TV, uh, we'll be dropping a new digital series called Mets Perspective, which is going to be interviews with prospects and uh, co- organizational coordinators and coaches and things like that. And it's going to be myself and Jacob Resnick, who also write, does some writing for SNY TV. And if you follow Mets Twitter, there's a reasonable chance you know who Jacob is. He's very, very good at what he does. And I couldn't be more excited to start this uh, venture with him. And we're going to be bi-weekly on SNY TV as a digital video series. And for some reason, SNY wants to put my mug out there and... I guess, you know, I got a ring light and whatever to try to make it a little better. Um, but no, really excited to to give this a go. And I, I think you all are going to like it. I know very often we get prospect related questions here. So, you know, there's going to be a ton of prospect content coming your way. Obviously, stay stay with that. So Mets podcast, I ain't going anywhere and you will have plenty of prospect content here. But if you're looking for just a pure prospect video show, Check out Mets Perspective. It launches this Thursday on SNY.TV. And uh, yeah, tweet me. Let me know what you think of it, because uh, I'm very interested to see how people take it. I can't wait, man. I know I'm excited to watch, uh, especially with, you know, obviously it's things that guys like Matt Allen and Pete Crow Armstrong are, have gotten hurt. But the Mets have an exciting system overall, whether it's Alvarez, whether it's Beatty, Mauricio, and then some of the lesser known names that you guys but you know obviously i know so well with you joe because we do this show together cover so well so you and jacob and it'll be really really good to watch so if you can't get enough of our show definitely check that out as well and we'll keep you updated with uh with our future content as well which sounds like it's going to be a little bit more youtube and some live streams and some reaction shows um in the very very near future and never a dull moment in the Mets world. I so got, that wraps up. Yeah, I got, go ahead, Joe. I got to say, I don't know what I'm thinking, putting my face out left and right. It's going to be on SNY. We're going to have a YouTube channel with my face on it. I don't know what we're doing. You're well, a star now. I don't know. It happens. I don't know what we're thinking here, Connor. I don't know. What we're uh, you know what? We're, we're going to make we're going to make this thing work. I can promise you that. Episode 42 in the books. Thank you so much, everyone. We'll catch you next week. Get 30 percent shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at DiscountTire.com. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of.